Hey everyone, John Lee here, also known as The Property Shark. Welcome back to episode 2 of On The Rise podcast. Today our guest is Uzair Ahmed. He is the co-founder of Instamec, a mobile mechanic shop that is taking Canada by storm. Uh, they were rapidly expanding across Canada and you've most likely seen the bright orange service vehicles driving around in your city. So we're going to talk about his journey of how he started, where he got the idea from, trials and turbulences that he's encountered throughout the whole journey. And most importantly, we're going to dive into what he would do differently if he were to start again, and also some great tips and advice for all of you entrepreneurs out there who are in the process of starting your own business, already started a business, or thinking about starting a business. So let's get right into it. Hope you guys enjoy. and. See you soon. Hey, who's there? Hey, how you doing? Good, 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 good. So uh, thank you so much for being on our podcast and show today. Yeah, anytime. I'm excited to be (laughs) the same stuff we all say, right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so uh, just a quick little intro, uh, Uzair Ahmed is the founder of Instamec. Uh, it's a mobile mechanic shop that has taken Canada by storm. Uh, you guys are rapidly expanding across Canada, right? Yep, yep, yep. Right now we're operating in Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver, the whole lower mainland. You might see our vans around. Okay, yeah. awesome, awesome. So, you know, we're, we're excited to dive into your story of how you found Instamec. And I guess kind of your lessons that you learned along and all the journey and all that, eh? Okay, okay. Yeah, so I started Instamec about five years ago in 2015. Okay. We were, I had an experience with the mechanic uh, back in 2014 while my mom was on, well, I was on vacation. Um, My mom was home by herself with two cars. And as luck would have it, both those cars stopped working. Um, Me and my dad were away, so we didn't really, we couldn't help her out. So we had her like, figure it out on her own and she had a really really tough time figuring it out on her own like towing the car all that stuff. it was such a hassle so yeah. uh, when i came back i was like there has to be a better way of doing things um then i came with the idea of instamec which is equivalent which is like having a car guy at your house okay it's like a car guy in your family that's always there never takes vacations never takes vacations yeah <laughs> wow wow so that's amazing because, I mean, yeah, if you really think about it, if your car can't be up and running and you got to take it to the mechanic shop, you have to get it towed? It's towed. It's a, it's a hassle. It's a, it's a really, really difficult thing to do. Plus, there's a lot of, uh, you don't know who to take it to. And there's a lot of like mistrust in the industry, which has been a big deal. Yeah. So what we do to tackle that is uh, we're a membership-based company where um, people sign up for membership. They get their own assigned mechanic that visits them twice a year, no matter what inspects the car, gets to talk to them. You get a relationship with the guy, right? They look Mm -hmm. at your driving habits, your car, and then build you a customized maintenance plan. And then they come to your house, fix, do all the work right on site. And you, but you always have that guy. You always have that guy. And that's what really about. Wow. Wow. That's powerful. So take me through, I mean, what in 2015, like what were you doing? Were you still in school at that point? Did you graduate already? Um, so in 2015, we, my business partner, were working as uh, engineers in the oil and gas industry, and we both wanted a way out because we were just bored. It was a really high-paying job. It treated us well. It was an easy job, but we were young, so we wanted to spend a lot of time in improving our skill set and just getting good experience. 
So we were always interested in business, but just trying different things until this came about. Uh, we built the Kijiji ad. We, the, it was so funny how we started. It, <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> um, we were at a coffee shop making Kijiji ads. Yeah. And make our website look all professional, make everything look legitimate. And when customers would call us, we'd be like, okay, yeah, don't worry, we got you. We'll send them, here's how much it's going to cost, blah, blah, blah. You get a fully certified mechanic. And uh, we would go on Kijiji and find some random guy to show up. Yeah, like and, a mechanic. Yeah, it was like, it was, it was like Arbor Club in the most funny way. But yeah. from that point on, we realized that this business had, had potential. So, wow. yeah, took off from there. Took off from there. Okay, so take me back a little bit. Let's rewind a little bit. You said you were in the oil and gas industry, but you didn't feel like the job was really fulfilling. Was it? Because a lot of people, like, you know, when they're graduating, right? They have this impression that if they graduate and they land a great corporate job, like they've made it, right? According to societal standards, right? But you guys miss out on is they focus on the money. Okay. Young, you can't, it's not about the money. It's about the experiences because that's what's going to make the big difference when you're 40, 50 years old. But if you're just focusing on the pennies right now, like I was making a good six figure salary at age 21. What is that? What, what was that? Just throw it out there. Right. I was making 150 a year, working, working uh, half the year, less than half. Really? Yeah. But it was a retirement job, you know, yeah. like it was too easy of a job. Yeah. And um, it was a lot of fun, but I knew that I wasn't challenging myself. And I, I knew that when I was younger, it's really, really important to focus on something that's going to challenge you and you're going to learn a lot. Um, you can't chase the money. So I always tell people, I'm like, focus on your human capital, not your actual capital. Don't chase the money. I think that's a very valid point. Cause I mean, even as an engineer, when you graduate, like you're thrown a six figure salary, you think this is solid, you know, like work is chill, life is good and you get complacent, right? All my friends who, who had those six figure salaries, all, all of them quit their jobs. They weren't really challenge. It's, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. Go it's on money nice for the first little while, but once your bank account builds up, you don't really care that much for it. Yeah, yeah. So when did you when did you make that mental switch? Because I mean, we've been told almost day one, man. From almost day one, I was ready to get out. But it just took me a long time to figure out what was gonna work. Got it, got it. So a lot of trial and error. Did you have a lot of side businesses that you were yeah, doing? Lots of side businesses. Lots. They all failed. Like what? For just throw a couple out there. Like car cleaning, uh, derivative trading, date. <laughs> um, I tried, uh, I had an investment group as well. Um, these kind of things mostly. Yeah. So what do you say it's, it's important, you know, for people that are thinking about getting out of the, the rat race or, or the nine to five job that to keep their job and like, just try little things on the side until they, they find one that, that they can stick with. Like, is that what you recommend? You can do it. That's, all the best to you. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't, if you have a nine to five job, you're so exhausted when it's all done. It's difficult to work on the side project, but if yeah. you could do it, like all the best to you, like do it that way instead. I kind of did that. Mine was easier because mine was like five days on nine days off. Really? So I had a lot of time on my hands. That's such a chill. Man, you didn't take, it's all the money though. That's the thing with you. It's not yeah. about the money. No, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. <laughs> it's, it's really not. Right. So I think rather than working a nine to five and getting like dabbling with some side hustles, it's 
more about saving enough, right? Having a safety nest that you can fully commit to, to doing something else. Was that, that was a big thing for me? I had saved this, a six figure nest egg by like 25. So wow. that's in a good, I, that's why like I've made hardly any money in the last five years, but it doesn't affect me at all. Got it. Got it. So save up enough money to have a safety nest where you can go out and, and, and do your life. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's what I did. And I can, like, you don't have to make that much. It's not that hard to make a living as an entrepreneur, but the quality of life goes through the roof. It's like not even close. What do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean like, by that? Just like to make a living, you're going to make what, well, like 60, 70 grand a year. Yeah. And with the tax benefits that you get as an entrepreneur, you can, it's effectively worth way more than that versus an employee. And the benefits are like you work on projects that you want. You're never, it's like you're living out in the wild. You're hunting your own meat. Humans are meant to be like that. Got it. You're not Got like it. an animal anymore. Right. Right. So, okay. Take me through. So you, you have the safety nest built up and then uh, you and uh, your partner, you said, okay. And, and how did you and your partner meet? Take me through uh, that. We went, we were, we were friends since grade nine. Okay. Wow. Yeah. 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 And his name was, you worked with him, John. <laughs> How can you forget about him? Sim? Yes. <laughs> so, okay. So take me through like both of you guys saved up some money and then you had this idea and you were running some KGG ads just to test it out. So people were actually calling you guys and you would call random okay. Yeah, panic to send to their house. Exactly, exactly. Then we figured out that that was a business was worth working on, um, and then we built the technology behind it. We built a full software that runs the entire company, um, and hired mechanics. Now we've got vans. Now it's like a very legitimate operation. Okay. Um, and but before it wasn't. We started off as like, what was the basic things? What was the least amount of work we can do to prove this is a real thing? And we built it based on that. So how did you identify that this was a, was a feasible business model to begin with? Uh, honestly, we forced it. We, it actually wasn't the best business model, but we were making money from day one. And we're like, oh, wow, it's actually making money. So okay. that's how we thought it was going to work. But uh, like, if we could do it again, it's better to uh, spend more time figuring out the business model. But it took us a long time to figure it out. It okay. Like, yeah. And when you say you were making money since day one, so I would suppose that it would cost X amount of dollars for you to hire a mechanic and you were charging people a lot higher per se, right? Yeah. For the same service, it would get directly from a mechanic. So like any business. <laughs> any business. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, what, how did you bootstrap it to, again, to like, what, what were some key things that you had in place to bootstrap your business to, for it to just keep running? long enough that that it, it got traction um well we raised capital a but the uh important thing was that um we we had a save we had savings right from before yeah that was a big thing so it didn't call it didn't, that stress wasn't there so it's best to start a business with a second income source or some sort of savings account mm. yeah got it got it yep, yep, yep. okay that's really important because I feel like a lot of people, they just jump into it without realizing that they, they need the source of income to keep them afloat and stuff. Right. So well, you can have rich parents who support you. It's even better. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But I guess yeah. the second best option would be to have like, like a, a fat savings account and to be able to live off mm -hmm. that while you focus on that. 
So, so take me through, I mean, you've got this, I guess you got a website up, you got things going, like how did you build enough, I guess, leverage that you were able to, to, to get, get funds for it? Uh, when you're raising money, it's more about yeah. the story than anything else. So yeah, you got investors who thought that the story was worth buying. Plus they, they believed in us. They, they people invest in the entrepreneurs. People invest in entrepreneurs. Yeah, they invest in people, especially when it's so early on. So these things didn't really matter versus just like, here, we're working on this. We're committed to this. And here's who we are. Invest in us. That's it. Yeah. Because um, ideas change, markets change. But like, and it's so early stage, right? You can't really invest too much in a certain business model. So people are investing in the people themselves. Okay. So you were essentially selling yourself. Yep, that's exactly it. And do you have any tips for that for people that are thinking about raising funds? Maybe they've dabbled with an idea. It's, it's going somewhere. They need some more money to, to get this thing up and running. What would you say to those people? I would say just have, just make sure you have a very honest track record. Like there should be nothing about your character that's even a bit shady because people will not trust you at all. It's about trust, right? Trust. Uh, and it's, it's, you have to be good at, at uh, trust. Plus it's also a sales game too. So you have to uh, sell the dream, sell the vision, but they have to trust that you can do it and you won't run over their money. Mm, got it. Got it. And That's so, like, right. So um, when you are finding the right people to invest, how did you find these investors? Uh, a lot of my investors were my friends from the oil and gas world. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of childhood friends, my friends there. And then uh, through connections, we got connected to different um agencies and VC firms and all that stuff. And that's kind of how it was done. Yeah. 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 Okay. So it's just like having a good story, essentially. Having a good story, friends and family, connections. Yeah. Um, like right now, I'm not giving you very detailed advice. I don't know how detailed you want to go, but generally yeah. having a good story and, some, and being somebody that's worth investing in. Got it. Got it. And, and be honest. Right? Track I'm, everything, be I'm honest. ethical person, yeah. That's really important, I think. And in terms of like when you were selecting the right investors, like how did you filter that out? Uh, let's do the next question on that one. This is the next question on that one? <laughs> okay. So, okay. Well, similar to that note, it's like how did you figure out what equity split you were giving the investors? Like how did you? Well, we just did everything very standard. 20 okay. seed round. Uh, ours, so what's your target market? Like who, is, who, who, who listens to this podcast? Uh, this is for like young entrepreneurs that are just about to be, that have an idea that are working on it. So it's called On The Rise, right? That's, that's the, the point of this podcast. So okay. people that have a vision, but they're working towards it. They're not quite there yet. And we raised on uh, Y Combinator safe notes. So with that, we didn't have a valuation. We just had a, an, a promise to invest in the future. That way, especially when it's early on, you don't want to deal with valuations and all that kind of stuff, right? So yeah. that's how we raise our money on just safe notes. Why call your safe notes? It's very entrepreneur friendly. Okay, okay. And then essentially people invest in you with the potential to buy options in the future? They, it converts when you have like a proper funding round yeah. or institution or when you sell the company, it converts at that valuation. So you don't have to deal with like valuation conversations. Oh, like whatever it's worth at that time. When of the, of the liquidity event. Yeah. 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 
So until that point, you don't talk about any of that. They just yeah, hand you some money and then you keep working hard until that day when you guys yeah, need to talk. Exactly. It's the easiest way to raise. Okay. Okay. Why Combinator safe notes? That's yeah. Cool. Okay. So friends, friends, like how many rounds did he raise? Like how did, how does that work usually? Oh, uh, we raised a few, uh, we raised essentially a seed round. So we had the friends and family round at the same okay. round and that's pretty much all we raised. Okay. And yeah. when you were figuring out like how, how much did you need to raise? Like how did you figure that out? Oh, uh, we actually over raised. We try to raise less money. We raised more money. Um, essentially you have a, a vision as a budget and an 18 month, run, 18 month runway. And then you plan for the worst case scenario <laughs> and then you raise based on that. Okay. Got it. And you raised how much after that? Uh, in total, I think about $650,000. $650,000. Yeah. Or 800. I don't know yet. Okay. Okay. Got it. And when it was, was it just you and uh, a sim the whole time through, through the rate, the, the, the raising of the capital? Uh, it was me and him doing the, both the raisings together. Yeah, just us. Wow, wow. And so after you had some funds to do, that's when you started hiring and outsourcing. Yeah. And so then we started working on the business instead of in the business. Um, but there were a lot of lessons to be learned. Like we should have probably had a better idea what we're going to do with the funds. Like this idea of raising funds, I don't like it that much. I, if I were to do it again, I wouldn't want to raise money anymore. I think that raising money is cool when you know exactly what you're going to do. Okay. Um, but in the meantime, you want to delay the raise as much as you can, because otherwise you get caught up in this uh, negative cycle where you have to make investors happy. Um, and you should have a really strong reason to raise money, not just raise money because it's cool to raise money. Okay. So you raise money because it was cool to raise money. Okay. <laughs> and how did you keep investors happy? Because at this point, you know, like they probably have. That's the challenge. That's the challenge, right? That's what you do when you raise money. You, you now work for the investors. You're not working for yourself anymore. Oh, okay. So you would delay it for someone who's thinking about starting a business or raising funds. You would try, try to do as much as you can without raising money. Yeah, is what I would say. Okay. But you guys raised money to expand, right? That was the whole purpose of doing that. Yeah, that was the goal of it, yeah. But okay. it was a lot of work that needed to be done in the meantime while we raised that money. So we spent money on the technology of the business figuring out the operations because one thing we did do is one thing we didn't know earlier was we were actually raising money to figure out how to run this business properly because this is a very difficult business to run operationally. And uh, we didn't really raise enough. We, we should have just said this money was raised to figure that out, but we spent money on growing it too quickly. And that was a mistake. Okay. Mm, tell me when you say growing too quickly, what do you mean by that? It's like when you have a bucket, right? And yeah. you have a lot of holes in that bucket and you try to fill it up with water right away. It's going to go out right away, right? Your goal right. is to plug the holes of the bucket as it goes on so that yeah. you can increase the lifetime value of each customer instead of doing a lot of like quick transactional uh, jobs. Jobs. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So you guys took the money, right? And then you guys started hiring. Who did you hire first? How did you figure that? The logistics of that? Uh, we started hiring a lot of uh, like operation staff first. So we got it. We hired people to do all the calls and stuff. Uh, people working in the business. Mm -hmm. focus on working on the business. Right, right, right. And when did you have mentors kind of join you? Are, are they important part of uh, mentorship? I think is really, really important. Um, 
we started paying for a few mentors. That was really, really smart people who did exactly what we wanted to do. Um, mentors are important when they're doing exactly what you want to do or they're done exactly what you want to do. And I think with mentors, you want to have people who are just right above you, like two, three steps ahead of you and someone that's higher level. But like sometimes you feel like if someone is too like disconnected and there's a long time ago, you can't really take their advice too seriously because the market's changed. So right. I like mentors who are like a year ahead of you, or like a year and a half ahead of you. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you find the right mentors? Because that's important too. Uh, we found them through uh, connections, really. People just introduced us. Got it. So build a network. You have to have a big yeah. network. Well, mentorship is just mostly about finding friends that you get along with. Friends that you get along with, that you can talk about business, have a passion, yeah. interest. Exactly. Okay. So I guess from hiring, you said you, you hire people to call you, people to kind of take over the business so you guys can focus on growing it. Exactly. Um, from there on, what, what were you guys doing? Were you guys still in Edmonton? Did you guys expand already outside? Yeah, we, this is what we mistake. We try, we try to be in too many cities too fast. Um, and that was a really expensive mistake to learn. We try to go from zero to like across Canada um, oh. almost instantly without having a good operational base. Okay, take me through that. What does it mean to have a good operational base? Just systems and processes. Like everyone needs to know exactly what to do and everything is done in a very simple way that anybody can just easily wrap it up, right? We didn't yeah. have that. It was too much of a gong show. Okay. It's really, really, a business is nothing but the people that you hire and the systems and processes that they follow. Right. Got it. Yeah. So you guys made that mistake of going to too many yeah. cities? Yeah, too many cities way too fast. And you guys were finding it hard to manage. It was, it was nothing was happening because it was hard to manage. It was hard to provide a consistently high quality service, which we're doing now. So we just like, if I was to give someone any advice with raising money um, and a lot of my founder friends are the same thing too, is that figure it out on a very small scale and get really good economics on a very small scale. Okay. So investors be like, listen, give me your money and I'll, I'll expand this everywhere else, but really do not, rush on expanding focus your core competency and building the systems and processes first got it so you're saying it's not about expanding but having the right systems in place your, the goal of building a business is building a machine that one dollar comes in three dollars comes out right so focus on building the machine first and it's yeah. really solid and then throw money at it don't don't put the the carriage before the horse so to speak got it that's important because i feel like people just get too excited they want to do too many things but they don't really yeah. look look at how their system's set up and your, your bucket analogy, if there's a lot of holes and they're trying to put a lot of water in, it's just going to go out. There's no point. Yeah, exactly. So focus, make sure you on a small scale, make sure it works before dumping a lot of money and, and blow this thing up. That's mm. what I recommend. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So how did you reevaluate that situation when you expanded too far out? Like when was that call to say, okay, let's retract, let's rethink like, what did that happen? Like two, three months. <laughs> two, three months. Yeah, we were very quick on that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So always correct yourself, reassess, you know, over a certain period of time. And don't don't make life one thing that we never did was make like death risks. Every time we made a bet, we could always reverse that bet. Okay. Right? Never went all in. Don't don't ever go all your chips all in. No, never do that. Do not put do not put a risk where you cannot uh you, you, the risk is too much to recover from. Got it. Small bets. Make small bets. We'll try it out. If it blows up, great. If it doesn't, let's retract. Let's get back to the drawing board and figure this out. What's next? Yeah.
Okay, so you guys took a step back, and then what happened? You guys expanded to to the Western Canada only, or how how what happened next after that? Uh, no, we just went back and we just focused on the cities that we're in, and tried to grow them in the cities that we're in instead of being like too spread out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and from there, like, how did you get the word out about Instamec to the public? I mean, you were talking about building the business side of things, building the system in place, hiring people, but in terms of your connection with the public, how did that go about? How did you uh, find customers? Almost all our result, all our leads come from Google. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Everything is coming from Google. Yeah. Like, so yeah. a lot of uh, organic SEO worked really well for us, and Google Ads to an extent, but mostly just organic Google listing. That's it. Organic Google SEO. That's interesting because a lot of people when they talk about getting clients, people just think about lead generation, and it. it they think it's spending money on Google PPC or Facebook ads or whatever, right? That's how you get started, right? Okay, that's how you get started. And then eventually the organic took over? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And what did you have in place to build the, and grow your SEO? And what were some strategies that you implemented? Oh, uh, this is a complicated one. We're still trying to figure it out. Many. The, the thing changes so much. It changes so much. But it's yeah. really important to get it down right. Okay, okay. So what do you say, like having... Um, quality content like blog posts and stuff on the site would that help um like no not really depends on what it is like there's no one size the thing with seo there's no one one size solution right there's no like one size fits all solution there's no it's, it depends entirely on what your business is got if, it like running a local services company google my business is really important and yeah. doing the high intent keywords if you're trying to grow a software company throughout the world, uh, yeah, blog posts are important, but blog posts are just overdone. There's tons of content out there. You've got to find out what strategy works best for your particular business and what you're trying to do. Right, right. And did you hire someone or you guys do all this? Uh, every time we've hired anyone, they've all done a horrible job, so I did it all myself. Wow. And it became really good after that. So just try to do everything yourself. Don't try to outsource everything. Yeah, just try to learn as much as you can because everyone else is going to, if you try to outsource everything too soon, people yeah. just take advantage of you and you can't even manage it because you have no idea what they're doing. That's 100%. You don't know what the results are supposed to be. Just try to do everything yourself at the start. At the start. I think that's a good advice too because a lot of people, they, they try to outsource everything so they focus on a business but then they don't really know how the other parts of the business work, right? So yeah, exactly. important to have. Okay. And then um, when you said to start off back to running paid traffic, was that kind of how you figured out that this was a viable business just because you guys were getting a lot of inquiries and, and searches from, from the paid advertisement that you put out? Uh, it was a bit of that, a bit of blind faith. Yeah. Okay. Well, people needed car repair anyways. We knew that. Yeah. The was, could we make mobile mechanic a real thing? Right. Okay. And how did you, okay, from that point, that's how you got your customers. Um, and from there, in terms of the mechanics themselves, like what was your process in hiring mechanics to work for Instamac? Like how did that go about? We just hired them normally just through Indeed, talking to mechanics, building a network of mechanics kind of thing. Nothing special in that sense. Like It's like hiring anybody else. Yeah. And did you, like, what, did they have a set? salary or is it based off commission like how did that well it's a it's, it's a variable pay structure it's got salary it's got commission it's got an hourly rate it's got it's a different it's a it's, it's a it's a structure that's it's pretty similar to what they're doing in shops already we didn't we didn't innovate too much there okay yeah. so where do you think your your innovation came from in terms of setting you guys apart 
from uh, we're just mobile we come to your house and you fix your car on site and we do it at a, at a professional level like we didn't just like mobile mechanics already existed but we made it very professional and we uh made a smooth operating machine out of it it's very smooth and it's a high quality job almost every time mm, yeah okay. that was hard to do that was really hard to do that was the and was it just more of the the system that you built for the business or is it the mechanics that you hired what was both both okay. you have to have the right people on board and you got to build in the right system got it got it okay so um in terms of like you said you didn't really make a lot of revenue from the start right like are you guys in the green now or are you guys still i guess yeah, making money yeah we're making money everything is going well like let's see how this coronavirus thing goes but uh <laughs> we can make it past this coronavirus thing yeah we're good all right Uzer. so you know we've heard about your story of starting instamac we talked a little bit about you know how you raise funds and hiring people and everything from there uh, but I, I would feel like a lot of people they get stuck when 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 they're thinking about starting right most people don't even start and so let's talk about that like if what advice would you give people if they have a vision they have a dream of doing something but they just they're scared or something like what would you say to those people um usually what i say is start small do the least amount of work to prove a concept so whenever you're starting off with something you want to prove is this going to work or not so i always say do the least amount of work like say for example you want to make a marketplace right um just go on kijiji and see if you can find people who find customers and then you can find other suppliers on kijiji the same way the same way that we did it um if you want to uh, or you can use facebook groups if you want to but uh there's also this thing called no code um so i would also leverage the no code movement there's a bunch of apps you can build like a fully functioning website and app in about like an hour or two hours without knowing a single line of code really yeah so i would try to spend the least amount of money and effort and time and try to validate it as fast as i can because if you can't sell something that doesn't exist you probably can't sell it if it does exist the real test of an entrepreneur is your salesmanship salesmanship sorry put me on hold for a second okay so let's say that you want to start up right yeah. um, instead of all this money on development and things like that you can go to like bubble.io or use airtable or just go to indiehacker.com and there you can find a bunch of tools that anybody can use yeah build their own app or build their own website or anything like that so it's about the no code movement yeah it's a no code thing so you can do so much with it it's so powerful people have built companies without writing a single line of code really yeah so it's super scalable as well so that's what i'm saying like do not make excuses in that end the most difficult part is an entrepreneur to find customers so if you get the customers you can figure out everything else later on but just get the customers first okay and what would be so like you're saying it, earlier if you know if you if you can't sell a product that doesn't exist it's most likely you won't be able to sell it if it does exist so yeah. how how did people brush up on their sales skills what do you say about Back, that get a job like yours get a job like mine be a realtor any sales job it's skills get toastmasters just get used to start selling put in your reps you'll get good at it okay it's kind of like working out right you go to the gym you show up you consistently put in the work exactly okay okay and i guess in terms of finding customers like what would be your biggest advice for people that that are starting something and they're they have this idea and they're they want to evaluate it and find customers how where would they start don't sell to strangers first of all okay 
Um, I mean, so don't don't sell to your friends. Sell to strangers. Okay, so the other way around. Yeah, don't sell to friends because they're gonna give you honest advice. And just go wherever your customers are. Sometimes your customers can be online if you're selling a, a bottom of the funnel type of market. So Google Ads is a great way to test. Facebook ads, um, it's those are quick tests you can make and see if there's any market for it. But you can try cold calling, um, go to conferences, stuff like that. But just try to always be selling something so that people, so you can validate the idea or not. Okay. Just keep on validating idea, testing, 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 put it out there, see what yeah. people say about it. There's nothing special or magical about it. It's going to put in the work. You'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you, what do you say about uh, finding partners? Is that, do you think it would be necessary to, to uh, for me, it's been really good. Uh, it just depends on your, um, your, yourself and your, your if you want to, the thing on partners, if you can find someone that's really, really talented, it's like the cheapest way to hire your first employee, but can also be the most expensive way of things work out. Um, but they also say partnerships are sinking ships. So it just depends. But right. make sure you have a complementary skill set and you guys really get along and have a great deal of trust between each other. Yeah. Got it. Okay. I think that's that's amazing. Thank you for sharing your journey with us, Suzera. It was a pleasure and honor to have you on uh, on episode three of, of our podcast. Yeah, anytime. And keep the good work. I really like what you're doing with this. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. So I guess I'll ask you more about uh, the links of those sites and we'll link it down yeah. below. And then uh, quickly, before I get off, how do people find you or get in touch with you? Uh, you can uh, find me on Twitter or you can find me on LinkedIn um, or just email directly at uzair at instamec.com. Okay. And, uh, or you can just call the Instamec hotline and ask to speak to me. I'm always available. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much again. No worries. Take care. Bye, John. Bye.